Good evening, everyone. Uh, we're kind of expecting more people here tonight. The uh, UND is not playing hockey, right? They have the weekend off, and tomorrow's the Super Bowl. <laughs> Everybody, get your get your church in tonight, right? Um, you know, uh, so you know, I, I I think you all know that I transferred here just last summer from the Archdiocese of Denver. And, uh, you know, although I've been a priest for several years now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really doing any, a lot of stuff for the first time, but I am doing almost everything for the first time here, you know, in a new church and in, in a new diocese. And uh, I get to do something now for you for the first time here. And that is to ask for your money. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, no, my friends, uh, it's, uh, this is the kickoff weekend for the Diocese of Fargo's God's Gift Appeal, right? That we do every year. And it's uh, and a very, very important appeal to support the ministries and um, administration and everything of our awesome diocese that I am so happy to be a part of now. Um, you know, let me tell you something interesting. You know, in... In the Archdiocese of Denver, you know, we have that, the, the, the appeal every, every year as well. It's called the Archbishop's Catholic Appeal. But, all, but there, they also have what's called assessments on every parish. Uh, uh, the big Catholic term for it is cathedratica. Um, you know, so 14% of all income from every parish there is paid back to the diocese to help support their functions. 14%, just think about that. Every dollar you would give to your church, 14% goes back to the archdiocese on top of the Catholic appeal. Well, you know what? We do not have those assessments here. You know, I thought every diocese had that. And when I came here to find out you guys don't, I was shocked. And, and that's awesome. Um, you know, the, the bishop trust in your generosity that through just just the God's gift appeal you will help us um, cover the cost to operate our diocese and you do you have every year and and because of that we don't need assessments on the parish um, and I just love that I love how awesome you are in your obligation to support God's church you know and that's what it is it's we have that obligation uh, your number one obligation, of course, is offertory uh, to the parish that we take up at every Mass. And then the second, behind that, number two in hierarchy is God's gift appeal to help the diocese. And, but this year is unique. There's something extra this year. Maybe you've heard about this. Uh, we are doing a, a diocesan-wide capital campaign this year called living our faith, building our future. And this is, we haven't done one like this for 30 years. So this is a, like a once in a 30 year thing. And we are raising $20 million for some amazing, awesome things that we need to help fund in our diocese. And uh, it's gonna be a four year, uh, pro, four, you can get, make your pledge over a four year time span. And we're kick, our parish is kicking off our campaign for that this at the same time uh, we're going to be you're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the next month or two uh, so living our faith building our future campaign 
And, uh, you know, so this is on top of the offertory, on top of God's gift appeal, this is something extra. So think of this as the sacrifice now, a sacrifice to make to fund some very important things for our parish. Most of the money is going to come back to the parish, and we're going to raise enough money to, to do the awesome um, maintenance and improvements to our sanctuary that we've been wanting to do for years from what I've heard. This campaign should get us all the money we need for that. And also, uh, you know, Maryvale, that the, the sisters in Maryvale just outside of Valley City, they, they donated their convent to the Fargo Diocese. And now we need to raise some money for an endowment to make improvements to that and to make sure we can keep it running for many years to come. And I love that place. Man, I did my, it's the first time I've been there this year. I did my retreat there this year. Been to a couple of presbyterate functions. And we are blessed here to have a property like that. We, they don't have something like that in Denver. Uh, we are so blessed, really. And then thirdly, the, the Living Our Faith, Building Our Future, the campaign is going to fund our our, our um, ability to take care of our retired priests. Um, the retirement fund, to build that back up again, and then also to, to build a retirement uh, center in Fargo. Um, some apartments right there near the diocesan offices for our retired priests priest to live in community. And uh, I tell you what, I'm going to put my deposit down on that as soon as I can. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's something, something I've... You know, priests, they just give their whole life to the church, and then they all of a sudden, like, whoa, I'm going to retire. Where am I going to live? Do I have enough money for that? Um, to take care of a retired priest is very important. And, um, you know, I'm, in my situation, I'm the youngest in my family, and by a lot. My siblings are quite a bit older than me, so I'm probably going to outlive them. And... Uh, I don't really have any nieces and nephews that could take care of me. So uh, this is something I would really depend on as a retired priest, um, the retirement and a place to live. So um, go to the Fargo Diocese website to learn so much more about it. There's an awesome video on there that talks about this capital campaign. And, and Father Courtright, he plays a big part in the video. He has an awesome interview in there, talks about St. Michael's and and uh, he's, he's got a, a very a starring role in it. So <laughs> check out that, that campaign video. It's beautifully done, and you'll learn so much more about it. So, uh, so my friends, there's my pitch for, uh, for our appeals this year. And, and be, re be, uh, be ready for more information that's going to be coming, coming down the next month or two about the big uh, capital campaign for the diocese. We'll have receptions and so forth so you can learn so much more about it. And, and help us raise our portion of, of the campaign. Okay, now let's dive in to, um, to these awesome readings we have today, my friends. Um, you know, uh, for thousands of years, those afflicted with the disease of leprosy were condemned to a life of social, dis social distancing and quarantine. Did you wince at the sound of those two phrases? I mean, uh, does that bring back bad memories of the COVID pandemic, doesn't it? Um, but for a leper, 
There really was no other option. Nobody really understood the disease, which is now you know, medically referred to as Hansen's disease. In the ancient world, it was a huge deal. It was horribly contagious and one of the scariest diseases anyone could face. It created gaping wounds on the body. It could lead to a loss of fingers and toes and limbs and ultimately death. It was a sad, deteriorating disease that everyone greatly feared because no one understood how you contracted it. People didn't know that it came from a germ that was spread, that it was a bacterial infection, and no one knew how to treat it. We never saw it under a microscope until the late 1800s, and there was no real effective treatment for it until the 1940s. The world went thousands of years with this problem. So the only thing that society thought they could do in order to protect people was to require the person with leprosy to live outside of the community, like an outcast. They had to declare their disease before others so no one else could come close and risk catching it. You know, our, our first reading from Leviticus, it tells us about the rules they had in the ancient Jewish world for those with leprosy. They had, they had to wear torn clothes and let their hair and beard be unkept and announce to people from a, a distance, unclean, unclean, so people would know not to get too close. The life of a leper was a life of keeping distance from people, a life of an outcast, you know, not allowed to engage in social and family gatherings. Imagine the loneliness that would create. It strikes me to imagine that a, a life of leprosy would mean many years going by without human touch, years going by without an embrace from someone you love. And for the Jews, it also meant you could not participate in the worship of the community. But today's gospel gives us a beautiful sign of hope, brothers and sisters. It shows us that the love Jesus has for the person with leprosy is really the love Jesus has for people who suffer. We see in the gospel that the leper approaches Jesus, and by doing this, he is already breaking the law. Lepers were supposed to keep their distance, but this man boldly approaches Jesus because he knows he is from the Lord and that Jesus will love him and will want to help him. He's not afraid of how Jesus will look at him. And that's what the gospel tells us. It says, Jesus was moved with pity when he sees the faith of this man who approaches him. And here's an important detail to recognize in this encounter, my friends. You know, the leper does not ask to be healed. He asks, he asks to be made clean. You know, there are a number of Greek words that mean to heal. And one of the most common ones there is therapayo. Therapayo. And that's where we get the word therapy. 
But that's not what the leper said. That's not what he asked for. He asked to be cleansed. You know, this is not a medical term. The leper doesn't just ask for physical healing because he knows that the real source of life is not biology. We all want good health, of course, but it's not all about that. We know as human beings that the deepest core of our life is not simply physical health, but it's our soul and our heart. It's our relationship with the living God. And that is what the leper is truly crying out for in this gospel. The book of Leviticus, you know, it tells us that if a person is is somehow cured of leprosy and declared clean by the priest of the temple, then they are welcomed back into the community and back into public worship. So this man with leprosy, by asking to be made clean, shows that he wants everything that comes with that. He wants to be with his family. He wants to be with the community. He wants to join in worship again of God's people. And Jesus says to him, I do will it be made clean. And the man, he, he cannot contain himself. He cannot keep his joy to himself. He goes and he shares it with everybody he meets what Jesus has done for him. Brothers and sisters, you know, in some way, you and I should be able to find ourselves in the shoes of that leper. In the New Testament, leprosy is also a spiritual representation of our sins. Our sins do not contaminate the Lord. When Jesus reaches out and touches us, we are cleansed of our sins. We are made spiritually clean. And even though we are, you know, we are probably not battling leprosy itself, we still need the Lord to make us clean and to heal us. You know, maybe you're experiencing some of the same emotions a, leper, a leprous person would experience. Maybe feeling loneliness or despair or fear. Or maybe you're, you're feeling a kind of spiritual disease, you know, an inclination towards sin. Maybe you're battling with that right now. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's jealousy or animosity towards someone. I ask you to identify that thing, my friends, where you need the Lord's healing. Invite the Lord to enter into that. I think we should take our cue from this man in the gospel today and boldly approach Jesus with confidence. As much as we may know that we are imperfect, as much as we may know that we are not worthy to be, God, to be in God's presence, we still approach him, the Holy One, the one who is all good, the one who longs to heal us. We ask him to make us clean so that we may be fit to be in God's presence. Jesus, he, he loves us in our brokenness and in our suffering. 
He wants to make us clean. He wants to give us his embrace. Amen.